Shopamaniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show, a podcast all about websites. I'm Dave Rupert with Ms. Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris, how are you doing today? That's right. I'm doing pretty good, man. I Just a normal show. Yeah. Talk the other day about. Oh, you watched the, it. I watched it. I, I've like seen it before, but I also wanted to see the short version. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, it just got me amped up again, man. Websites are good now. That's mm. a. That's a. Yeah, I put a lot of work into it because I because I freshened it up and I don't know trimmed out trimmed the fat and and whatever. I'm gonna be redoing it not entirely because it's one of those talks where I feel like it could be a, a forever talk. I know you've probably had that moment Ooh, too. Where I you're got like, that I, one. I got yeah. it's my prototypes talk could be my forever talk. I, I just I want to talk about that for the rest of my life. So I'm and you can and that's not a cop out. That's a good thing. It's like Jeremy Keith talking about progressive enhancement. He's not going to stop doing it. Like, <laughs> oh, but, man, here but the talks <laughs> change because the details can change or, you know, how it resonates can change. You can put in different metaphors and stuff. You can have a lot of fun with it and still say this matters and this is the thing that I care about the most and that I'm well suited to tell you about. And there'll be yeah. an endless supply of human beings to hear that message. Mm-hmm. You know, you really don't even have to change what you talk about. And I, you know, my message isn't as almost as clear as yours. It's 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 this kind of like at the end, I I get to it, and I think I almost need to extend the ending to uh, dwell on it, or make it the beginning, possibly. You know, so you, I like when you kind of pick up and move stuff. Modular where, talk design. Yep, yep. That's my new book on a book apart. <laughs> yeah. That we're, you know, almost like a positive message, like we're figuring it out. Like some of the stuff that's happening on the web is because it's not as new anymore. And because it's been around long enough, we've we've kind of collectively figured out the stuff that we need. Whereas in the early yeah. days, like we were just a little like ignorant of what we were going to need. And it, you know, the various things have shaken out and be like, okay, this is the set of stuff that we need. Yeah. Well, it's like Mark and Dreesen's just like, I just invented image. Boom, put it in. And people, mm. I don't know about that. You know, it's like, surprise, 30, 40 years later, the internet is just images. Like, it's right. <laughs> so, how important was that? So, so stuff's going to keep changing. But, but the stuff that we're getting now has been a, uh, reflection of like, okay, we figured out what we need. Now let's start putting it in the browsers and mm -hmm. building it into the tools we need. And we're like, oh, breath of fresh air. You know, good job, team. We've done it. And so I can keep saying, I can keep pointing to that and be like, see this, see this, see this. It's a lot better now, right? Good job, I feel everybody. Like you've done plenty of talks that are like, CSS is cool. You know, you uh, obviously CSS tricks, CS, you're the CSS guy, but like not quite CSS wizard level, but you know, you're the CSS guy. Um, uh, right. <laughs> but uh, the, I, I think this talk is an extension of that, but, but it's, it's almost like, Hey, CSS is really good. <laughs> like, like, like you've gone from like, CSS is good. Look at all these tricks or like effects I can create to like, no, like CSS is really good. Like I think you were showing, I think that I hadn't seen that uh, where you like cycle the images on your little burrito site, you know, and oh, they like sure. yeah. flip around on mobile and stuff. And I think you're using offset. That was an offset path. You were using. No, that was another uh, one. You know, interestingly, flip, I bet you could use offset Greensock path there. Yeah, yeah. That was when I was trying to, uh, to, to showcase flip and flip is just such an interesting concept specifically because it's like it brings tweening to the web like mm -hmm. i don't need to know exactly where elements are right now or yeah. where they're going <laughs> you can say just look at where they are right now then move them then say okay now animate between those two states yeah that, that's great it's, yeah. It started out as being an efficient way to animate. Mm -hmm. It was like, let's use transforms and opacity and all that stuff because that, and then we'll, we'll put it into the end state and then we'll reverse it and all this stuff. That's how conceptually Flip began as a concept. I think it's morphed into like, don't worry about all that. That stuff is boring and rote and can be handled by technology. The mental model of Flip is what's interesting. The mental model is, don't worry, we'll tween between two, we'll tween any DOM anything between two positions. 
That yeah. is cool <laughs> and crucial. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just, I hadn't, like, seen it so effective, I guess, because, you know, you're just cycling a CSS class, but then this little, it looked little, it could be gigs of gigatons of <laughs> green sock, but it just, you know, it was just a, a oomph, you know, it just, the, the, it's like a sound effect, a little swoop, you know, like the, like right. you just added a tiny effect that makes makes it just feel rich, you know, and and somebody could do a talk of fifteen ways, fifteen ways that flip helps or something. Because I I would like to see that because I don't know. I, I wish I could dwell longer on that section. I wish I could dwell longer on the typography section. I wish I, there's all these things that that could be turned into longer talks. And so I almost encourage that for new speakers. Like, definitely don't try to cover all of CSS in a talk because you're going to do a bad job. And it, do people a talk will, on container queries or, do yeah, a talk or on... border radius or whatever, you know, because go, go deep instead of wide. And I'm kind of forsaking that advice here, but I'm not trying to cover all of anything, but I do I do move on a little quickly and part of me desires to, you know, I once did a talk in, the, in 45 minutes, or maybe it was an hour or something, on just the before and after element in CSS. Yeah. And I loved that because it was so, there's so much to say. Oh, man, that's like uh, Estelle Weil levels of like, I am going to just go painfully deep on this one concept here for you. So mm-hmm. she can all, all do it off of like memory. She's just like, I have the spec memorized. It's fine. It's what I, I know. Do. She almost annoys me in that there. I'm always like, I know what Estelle knows. My God, we're the same. We look we're like not quite the same circles, but like we just look at CSS stuff. Like, yeah, but inevitably she'll always be like, what about this? And I'll be like, what? <laughs> yeah. There's that? She's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, well, by if you turn on by die, it'll like emulate the GPU and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She's <laughs> just like, huh? That's not true. I just <laughs> tried to be a pretend Estelle. So. Uh, no, I think that's cool. I think it's it's funny with talks. It's like, I, what I've tried to come down to is like, what is, can I make it like personal? Can I make it something about me and what I care about too? I think I've, I made the mistake of like talking about stuff I wasn't, and this is maybe like imposter syndrome or Dunning Kruger or something going on. But it was just like, like stuff I was just like, I think this is a cool talk, you know. But I think like, you know, the more the more I've done them, the more there's nothing that's like can replace you just talking about the thing you super like, you know. Um, I, I think if you are talking about something you kind of know, you know, it, it's harder, but. Something you uh, like that's a good goes a point. long way. So yeah, to, to, yeah, to draw from draw from reality too. Even if you think your job is boring or something, at least you lived it, so you can yeah uh, really clearly talk about it. Yeah, that's good stuff. Good luck, everybody. Conferences coming back a little bit. You know, I know Ooh. COVID numbers are not exactly zero, so tricky, tricky as we approach the winter. But yeah, getting there. I mean, we're getting there. I, I think. I I think it's gonna be a you know diaspora uh, uh, consolidation kind of thing. Like we're all gonna go and try conferences, and then we're gonna say whoops, and then we go back, and then we go well, you know, it's just gonna be that until the engine gets started back up, the engine of society. Yeah. Well, me and you both are gonna be in. Denver, Colorado, next month for one, yeah, and uh, I am looking forward to it. So, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get going on that. Looking forward to it. We're gonna do one of these too, a shop talk show there. So we'll get yeah, a, be a show. And I'm, I'm so far we've always published them. So, and they have yeah. a different kind of energy to them. So I hope you all look forward to that because I don't know, we're just even jokier. I feel like in real life. <laughs> well, it's funny too. Uh, for me, it's always like this. Like, man, we we like don't do this in person that often. <laughs> so, no. so there's like this moment of like this is weird i'm like looking at you physically this is different so this is this is a different world so i was listening to uh i think it was i subscribed to uh you know the the strategy guy ben thompson and john gruber do a little paid podcast which is the first time i've ever subscribed to a paid podcast mm. in my life but i like their model in that it's 15 minutes long and they start okay. a little timer and 
it's no more, no less. I think that's kind of clever. So there's something about that timing makes me always be like, ah, I'm going to listen to that because it just happens to match up with some of my timing car oh, that's stuff. Like, that's a commute. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, good. It makes me a little jealous oh. in that way. They always freaking find some way to do it right. Anyway, they did one recently on uh, on the the art generation stuff, and I'm talking about Dali and Midjourney and Stable, uh, Diffusion. Stable Diffusion. Yeah, and and then I've been just hearing more and more about it. It's been this isn't brand brand new, but it feels pretty brand brand new to to me because it's you know it's only what a less than a year old. But it's been a tech news story, and it's like every week there's some interesting development in it, and it's just been more and more fun for me to follow over time. At first, I'm like, oh, Dali, maybe I'll get on the wait list or something. And I'm like, no, because. Then I'll get the email, and it'll be one more thing, and I'll type in raccoon with a rainbow hat, farting cheese or whatever, and I'll laugh for two minutes, and then I'll be like, why did I even care? Like, do I even care about this? You know, I don't know. Right, right. But then I was listening to their show, and they're like, oh, this one mid-journey is all on Discord. I'm like, I'm on Discord. I'm like, what do you mm-hmm. mean it's all on Discord? How does that work? <laughs> but that's just literally how it works. You click, like, one button, you're instantly in the Discord, and it, it's instantly like, oh, you want an image? You type slash imagine and then type some words and you get an image based on what you said. And Midjourney is one of them that's like so cool and so art driven that like almost anything you type in there is going to be awesome. And you're watching other people do it. So you're seeing what their prompts are, their spells, which I'll agree with the entire internet. That's like the world's coolest way to refer to typing in some words to make an image. And it's just out, it's just outstandingly fun. So the first thing you experience is like, ooh, fun. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's interesting. And I know there's all kinds of nuance that I can't speak to intelligently about it. But then I was on a longer road trip yesterday and listened to the change log. And they had Simon Williason over there, who's been on this show in the past as well. And he's really much more educated about it all and was just waxing poetic about, about how interesting all this stuff is. And it just got me got me kind of excited about it have you played at all i know your uh, partner in crime trent is is a mid-journey fan seems to be in the mid-journey discord and knows the right stuff to type i i've played with it i think i was a dolly two thing um but it and i joined the discord but i didn't like figure out where to type the thing to make it do the thing mm. <laughs> i kind of wanted some private exploration and it felt like it was going to blast it out very public you know um oh yeah like, it's public unless i think you pay whatever 5 bucks and then you get a private channel so it's oh really okay yeah. well, maybe i'll do that just just for like purely out of like i i want to type dumb shit and see if i can break it it's i'm not like ex not x-rated stuff but just like you know, just what what can I make it do? You know, like it's I want to experiment, so maybe I just need to do that. Um, I don't know how the X-rated stuff works. I'm, I assume on Discord they got that all turned off, and I know on Stable Diffusion now you cannot remove the X-rated filter, so it's okay. not it's not producing you know boobs on trees or whatever. Darn. Okay, oh, sorry, scratch out that part of my whole <laughs> business plan. <laughs> Yikes! Okay, I imagine um, the X-rated angle to all this is going to explode at some point. That's twisted to me. I mean. Whatever. It's not that I'm not interested. Well, you I have to any new technology. You have to think about how is it going to be used maliciously, or how is it going to be used know, for porn? What, used for porn, or uh, yeah, and and you know. But then it's like, what does this do to uh, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I think a lot about the ethics of it too. It's, well, let's do that then. What the the big ethical angle is? There's a there's several. One of them is people losing their jobs. Another one is how did you train this thing? You trained it on my art that I did not approve that you're doing it. Those are two big angles. Yeah, I mean, I think like robot robot's going to take my job. Um, yeah, I I think there's like big global implications. Like you know, it's like uh, you know, Ethan Marcotte has this really good. Uh, example in one of his talks where like big company X uh, goes to Kenya, pays Kenyans dollars a day to train an AI to that's basically just going to take their jobs. So then that whole market gets wiped out, you know, uh, of jobs, you know? Um, And so it's, 
I, I think I get mixed up in like, there's like this element of like, I don't, you know, um, like, like I want to do these, like almost like sci-fi book covers for these like short stories I've been writing on my blog. Right. Ooh, this like, is a, this is a perfect one, right? Look, because that is, is a this, job. Like I could see you hiring someone for that theoretically. And Chris, have I actually tried to hire people? Yes, I have. Like I've actually been like, I have $500 of cash for this dumb thing I want. Does anyone want right. to do this? And like, I, I had no takers, you know? And so mm. as a result, I now follow a bunch of very cool sci-fi people. So that's cool. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> so got that going for me. Sure. Can you imagine a world where you'd pay $500 to somebody who is excellent at using these tools to produce one for you? Or does that feel like, oh, you didn't do, you didn't lift up a pencil to do this. So, well, that's what I, I, I struggle because I don't think it's a $500 object to me like a $500 object in Xbox you know that I'm gonna put in my home on my TV stand and it's gonna work for right. the next 10 years and it's gonna play awesome games and give me awesome whatever video game memories or something like that you know like that's a $500 object like a JPEG on my website does not feel like a $500 thing does that make sense so if I could get AI to kind of just vibe something close enough or, or you look at like Trent stuff, like that's actually very good, high quality stuff, you know, like that's like better than some concept artist stuff. And so like, and of higher quality. So like, how do you like, could I just do that and like be happy? And let's say it cost me five bucks. Like, am I happy? I think as a consumer, I very much am because it was a lot cheaper, but I realized, you know, this theoretical person who could have made $500, but never emailed me back, like they're out $500, you know, like. Doesn't that remind you of the, the $500 website? Like that world is gone. It's gone. It used to exist when we started. Those jobs are gone now. They're just gone. Like cause Squarespace ate them or whatever. Squarespace, Wix, Webflow. Yeah. So, like, you're, um, anybody's, m- 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 I'll say minor, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but minor ethical quibbles over this is not going to stop this train. That was such an interesting point over, was it, Charlie Warzel was writing for The Atlantic, used, uh, was sick of using Alex Jones's Getty Images thing, because that's the only one on Getty Images says, I'm going to use a art creation tool to use a new one, used it, looked great, And then just got speared for it. But he got speared for it because The Atlantic has a zillion dollars. It's the it's a huge mega magazine. And the the act of hiring illustrators for is an established media practice. And all of a sudden he throws it away and gets an gets an image for free. Okay, you can apologize a little bit about that or you should or maybe, I don't know, been more upfront about how that went down. But like that's going to happen. The train has left the station. (laughs) Right, right. Like, yeah, so now there's this whole industry of It's going to take your job? Yep. It's going to take some jobs. Verge hero image uh, smiths that are out of the job. And that sucks, you know? Um, Think of all the time we spent talking about social media image cards. We could have fired those through. I think somebody's doing that. I saw a post. Somebody's, like, (laughs) just letting uh, whatever... uh, Letting, I think it was maybe stable diffusion, just like make image, you know, and and he was like, it was better than the stuff I was creating by hand. Like, which is just cool. I mean, I like. Do you think we'll hit a fatigue point though? Because at some point, you know, if you have 500 of them, every single blog post you have has it as the hero image. Our, I think our collective brain will start looking at it and be like, oh, that's one of those images. But that kind of happens, right, with Unsplash and stuff, which are taken by humans. You totally. Know? I it's can look like, at an image and just be, eh, Unsplash. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, popular uh, JavaScript testing bloggers use a bunch of uh, um, uh, filler images on, on their posts. You know, they start every post off with the filler image. And I'm just like, right. this is so boring. Web.dev did that for a while. Mm, conventionally attractive white woman with wide-brimmed hat walking through hay. Yes. Sunset with rocks, you know, like <laughs> I, I just, I think that's done too. So yeah, I mean, it, it may hit peak interesting, but, but, but what's interesting 
about the stable of diffusion in mid journey is you can say like in the style of Matisse or uh, Van Gogh, you know, like you, you, like you, when, when my like woman walking on the beach image gets tired, I can say, yeah, but do that in the style of a like Bauhaus artist or something like that, you know, and it's just going to make, something yeah. weird, you know, or right. Salvador Dali or something, you know, like the, they're getting very smart and to the point. Like if you wanted to hire somebody who does art in the style of Salvador Dali right now, Chris, how do you do it? You know, you have to go to like dribble or Behance and like, yeah, I suppose it'd be a really specialty job and it would be hard to find. I mean, you, all you, your only criteria was generic sci-fi style illustrator. And even that was too hard. And Isaac Asimov style, you know, um, image, you know, and, or, or like an Atari, uh, box art style image, you know, that's, I think what I was going for, you know, and, but yeah, I got crickets, man. No one, no one even emailed back. Yeah, There's so. no way you're going to find a Dali impersonator. That was part of Simon Williamson's chat, too, is that he there's apparently there's some really wonderful painter, perhaps gets hired by, you know, Wizards of the Coast to draw magic cards and whatever, like those, you know, great Mm -hmm. sci fi fantasy dragon style. And I think there's a bit of a phenomenon where people don't really know who he is, but they've learned in the Discord to put his name in the prompt because the result then is super rad. Like, that's all they know. (laughs) They know this guy's name equals sweet art. (laughs) Here's what I wish from... So I think the, like, other ethical side of, like, these were trained on free, on artists, and that did not get paid. I think that's, that's actually kind of a problem. And I think Copilot has the same problem, right? Like, oh cool, you trained Copilot on my code. <laughs> like so like I contributed to the robot. That's interesting. Isn't you know, that like, weird though? Because you know, what, what is Google image search doing? It's just barfing out images that it also has scraped. Like what if what if I forget who made this? It was probably Adam, I think, was like what if I'm an artist and I page through a book of art and then you know, my brain uses that to learn art and I paint in the style of that person. Was I, was I stealing from those other art? You know, it's like, no, you know, that's a Austin Cleon thing, right? Like great artists steal. or Great artists steal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but th- this is stealing on a much more rapid pace, like the, the size, scope and speed of the stealing has <laughs> accelerated. Quality? Yeah. And quality, right? Like when Austin Cleon steals, I still know there's a human in the process kind of munging stuff yeah, together, yeah, you know, yeah. cutting, pasting, or painting, brushing. Uh, but, like, yeah, when the robot steals, it does it very fast and very quickly, you know? And Yeah. Do you uh, find that? Because I, I was thinking of how, because I was so captivated by thinking about all this and playing with the tools and all that. I had a couple of final thoughts, and then we'll get back into some web tech yeah. stuff, I hope. One yeah. of them was the usage of it for places that you'd never hire an illustrator anyway, like the social media cards, nobody's going to pay a hundred bucks a card or or whatever. Like that market is just expanded. And one of them was at the time I was putting, (laughs) we were putting together a save the date for our kids birthday party. Yeah. And the art on the little Evite invitation thing was so dumb and bad, you know, like the default ones. And it were it's going to be kind of like dark themed, so like glow sticks and LED lights and stuff. We're going to make that the theme and make it kind of fun yeah. that way. And so I was typing those type of things into the prompts of it. It was producing such super cool stuff that I was like, oh, I'm absolutely going to use this as some of the art, as just as the background of the Evite. And maybe I'll maybe I'll print something for the tablecloth or something. Just and it, under no circumstances would I be hiring somebody to do this. Like, there's nobody's losing a job over me using some interesting art for a birthday party. My, I'm sitting next to my buddy. I'm showing him the Discord. Look at this. Look at how interesting this art stuff is. He's not really a tech guy, more of a lawyer. And he's like, "Oh, you know what? I've often thought of this, and I'll, I'll, I'll never do anything about it because I just have no idea how to do it." But I call one of my kids Bear, call mm-hmm. my other kid Robot, 
which is <laughs> sounds rude, but it's actually like a clever twist of words for her real name or whatever. Okay. So Baron Robot, and it, you always wanted to like get some art or something that like showed a cute bear and a cute robot like holding hands or something, some kind of like you know thing to remember his his kids by in a in a interesting cartoony kind of style. It was mm-hmm. like, man, I'll tell you what, you can have your wish is these tools command. Yeah, <laughs> you get it. And I was doing it in Mid Journey, and I think Mid Journey's not the right one for it because it ends up being like, you know, a bear with pink laser eyes and stuff. Because it's very like future art is the real. I don't know, sweet space for Mid Journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Stable Diffusion is much more like I. Like, it can just do anything. Not so much you could run it on your local computer, which is insane. I have not. Uh, I have an M1 Mac, and apparently that's about the hardest infrastructure to run it on but i'm gonna do it one of these days it just came out i think like a stable build for m1s and m2s and so um but yeah well that's like the thing too is like i i think christian heilman i saw a tweet from him uh like apparently it burns quite a bit of electricity to do this you know to to generate an image so i wonder too if there's like a an eco concern if we're all just making GPUs glow. <laughs> yeah, there is some connection between like this world and put the boobs on trees or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this world in the in the crypto world. I, I imagine it's a I, I can't prove it or anything, but I imagine it's a it's a far cry from anything blockchain related. But it is oh, interesting yeah. how they both have such interesting ethical concerns, you know. Wouldn't it be nice for somebody to invent a technology one of these days that's just morally and ethically yeah. fine? <laughs> It's a like it's everybody a, just that's fine. It's a free electricity maker. I don't know. Yeah. I just <laughs> it seems it's actually super great. Doesn't pollute anything. It just makes electricity. P- desert planter. It puts plants in the desert. It's so so interesting. It's just art now. Well, I mean, but but the technology's similar, right? It uses these AI based things to have neural pathways and. Yeah. rates the results and it's all very interesting i've seen good talks on it. but it, it's similar to how github now we're experiencing ai help us in lots of ways for example we have like spam catcher tools at codepen that are ai based yeah. yeah that 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 alex has been working on that that uh, get trained continuously from new spam that is identified through it and that we identify and correct because yeah, okay. correction is an important aspect of these algorithms. We're experiencing through GitHub Copilot. We're experiencing it through the mid-journey Discord and stuff. We're experiencing it more and more. This world is booming hot. Mm-hmm. And it's it's starting to be like it's going to capture people's imaginations. Like, what else can it do? Can it build a house? Can it fix cancer? Can, what, what's going on here? Yeah, you know, we had Paige Bailey on in episode 299 uh, to talk about machine learning. Um, and one thing she said, it was, it, was in, it stuck with me, is like, you have to retrain the AI, kind of what you're saying. Like, you have to mm-hmm. train it. Like, hey, whoa, you went too far. Or, hey, you went. So it's interesting, like. Is a job in the future going to be like AI trainer, you know, or maybe that's already a job, but, um, and it's, you'd think it, that like in the discord that people, the, the, the number that people pick, cause the way mid journey works is it gives you four options and you, yeah. you pick, Oh, do I want variations on number four or number three? Or am I happy with it? And then you can upscale it too. So you're like, Ooh, three is perfect now. Give me a high-res version of number three. Is that training the model? I have a suspicion that it's not. And the fact that you download Stable Diffusion offline and use it, I have a feeling that's that information's not making its way back to the model either then. Right. So how, right. how is it being? I don't know. I guess, no, just different just training data or whatever. Or, or like, because you're adding training data, like, that spam is a bad spam. That spam is actually a good spam, you know. Or yeah, that has about, a very clear, so, like black or white. Uh, what about these image things? But you'd think even in even in Midjourney, by, by virtue of you picking the one to make more variations from, that's a signal that it's done a good job, and you like that one than it did. No, I mean this this conversation has come up at work. I mean, it's just like what you know is this? It's it's at the what are, what are those steps of technology like? Where you have to like pay attention to uh, uh, O'Reilly Radar had like this like these four terms like pay attention to uh, ignore uh, move sure. away from or what you know kind of like hot or not for for technology but 
it does seem like this is in the like you kind of have to start paying attention to this because I think it could be foundational. And I think just even more amazing, like when I was a kid, I didn't think I'd be like confronting AI robots, you know, like, like I think it was always sci-fi, but now it's like, oh man, this is like, this is happening now. So uh, even when Paige Bailey was on four, four years ago, it was kind of like, well, maybe one day, you know, and now four years ago, four years later, it's like, oh, this is turning into the job kind of. So. I think it has some yeah more potential to do interesting things to me than anything blockchain related. Sorry, Web three people, but I'm so bored by that, and I'm so there's so much time and effort and energy and money has gone into that world with nothing interesting. Sorry, to me at least, out of it. Whereas this is also new, interesting, sexy, uncharted, interesting, and has the and already we're seeing all kinds of interesting things come out of it. Can that can this world please suck up some of the intelligence of the next generation of programmers that would be great to see to see you go this direction not the freaking crypto sec sorry <laughs> yeah well and i mean that's like a it's weird they are they are not related but they kind of are just you know like the big thing about nfts was like you get this art and you own it and then like dolly comes along and it's like you get this art and like it's free you know, and like kind of mm. higher quality based on what I saw, you know, most of them, you know, and, and you looked at all the NFTs and they're really just procedurally generated variations of some kind of laser eye hat, uh, yeah. mouth, you know, and, and now I have a, a a robot that can like print anything I want, you know, Big Ben in the style of whatever, Picasso, you know, like that it's cool. Like I like that future. I like that creative tool more than the, um, I bought a cool avatar future, I guess. (laughs) So certainly. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Split. That's split.io, split.io slash shop talk, actually. A very clever name for a product because it has to do with splitting, actually, like the users that use your website. So uh, uh, imagine a basic use case of that being something like A-B testing. Like, I want to show some percentage of people this version of the website because I want to test the effectiveness of it without necessarily rolling it out to everybody. So test the effectiveness, meaning literally measure the impact that it has and see if it's kind of good or bad. But that same kind of technology then can be used for feature flags. That's essentially what you're doing. So you use their product to set up these feature flags, like these 100 people or these 25% of the user base have this feature flag, which you use their dashboard to do. And then it allows you to write like if else statements, essentially right in your own code paste that says, you know, if this flag is turned on, deliver this piece of JavaScript or backend code or whatever it is. Otherwise, do this. It gives you that ability in your code, but it separates the ability to it. You don't have to deploy in order to change the 100 people or the 25 percent or something. You manage that elsewhere, which ends up being a pretty nice experience. And then again, it helps. It's, it's, it's for rolling things out. You have a brand new feature. You don't want to roll it out to everybody. You want to roll it out to a subset and get p- feedback from them. That's the whole point of feature flags and split helps you do that. So split is the feature delivery platform you need to help execute these modern expectations and continuous and progressive delivery. Because if you're not delivering, you're falling behind. You and a team of 10 can, can, can create your first feature flags at split.io slash shop talk split.io slash shop talk create your first feature flags with a team of 10 thanks for the support all right so so here's some web work all right 
been Give doing a lot of uh, a API work, right? So it's like, you know, just behind the scenes code pen. I, we've been forever trying to get off Rails. You know, not no, it's not an emergency. It can be a slow burn thing, but like not the technology for us going forward just because it's such a, it just makes sense. Code pen is a JavaScript powered app. And I think we can do our best work in that world instead of a Rails world. And DHH is kind of weird, so... <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Get away, get away from all that. <laughs> God, there's so much there. But Sorry. anyway, uh, we've been moving to, to React and for a long time, a long, long time, and it's been fine, you know, and, and, and better than fine, really. Like this is clearly the right path. I don't regret any of our technology choices, whatever. Rails actually powers our GraphQL API. That's what mm-hmm. we chose when we chose those technologies long ago. So even though we are switching to React, we're still we're using an API that was powered by Rails. Rails handled the the route. Rails, you know, responded to the request and did the auth and used us. You know, we used some kind of gem or something that was like this is the language that you use to write all of the code that responds to the GraphQL. So there's a bunch of effort and work and tests put into that world. So moving off of Rails isn't just like moving your controllers and your views. It was replacing an API also. So we've been like, you know what? Let's chip away at this. Let's make a Go-powered GraphQL API moving forward. And we have some experience doing it. We've already created one that we use for our admin tools and stuff as a test run, um, building a Go-powered GraphQL API. And now we've been chipping away much more seriously. Like, let's just, you know, finish or get close to finishing our existing API, but in Go. And if that seems like a simple job to you, you'd be super wrong. (laughs) Replacing an API kind of side by side with the one that already exists is a lot because it's your job to make it one to one. Like Uh this new API has to be identical to the other API, even though it's in a totally different language, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Tricky. Because the lang- the languages of Ruby and Go are just real different. Sometimes mm-hmm. Go's really quick at to expressing something. Usually it's not it's usually it's absolutely the other way around. You look at a one liner in Ruby and then you're like, that's fifty lines in Go. So yeah, yeah. Line, you know. So anyway, but it, I find the Go easier to follow and reason about and all that stuff. But we've been really it's really taken a quite a long time to to work on this project. You know, making it exact, exactly the same. I think it's more work than creating the API to begin with. Because wow. the, in the beginning with it, it's Greenfield. You just write the API and it exists. And now it's like, ooh, we have to write that same API, but like sweat the shit out of the details. Mm. Make sure it's exactly the same in this new thing. I, it's it's painful. Um, you know, I, I'm so Nux 3 is right now our API is an Express app, right? Um, okay. JavaScript yeah. node, but Next three uses a thing called Nitro, and it's more like flat file uh, endpoints. You know, like you do like uh, posts, uh, post dot js or something. So like a post route to the to the posts and you know endpoint, or like or you do like posts id dot js to like get an id or something like that. Yeah. Um. It like. So that's the file structure, and it builds out your API, and it can like chuck it out to like a serverless function. So we were kind of just experimenting with like, could we move to Nux three? Like, let's just see what it's like. And the API refactor Constant was like journey, a, yeah. was a big one, man. It was just mm. yeah, it was it was just a like, w- there's no good way to like. Th- this is such a huge. Like refactor, you know. There's not even like a strategy to just pluck routes off, you know. It was just like this is a huge, gnarly boy, and so uh, I just <laughs> I'm trying to be positive, but it was just like you know, touching the AI is, is or sorry the not the AI we were just talking about touching the API uh, is such a tough situation because it is it's the brain it's the nexus point for your whole app you know so operating yeah. on it or trying to replace it is really hard and replacing it route by route would be awesome but that's that's yeah, hard that's weird. you know like that's now <laughs> yeah. you got a some kind of 
server router. That's interesting that you in. care. Like that express handling all that routes is actually pretty important aspect. Because you must be talking about a REST-based thing, pretty much. Yeah, it's because a if, if it's GraphQL, thing. there's one URL. It's slash API, yeah. whatever. No, I mean, I guess you're trying to sell me on GraphQL again and again. No, I'm I don't no, care, it's but a I big do. Dumb. <laughs> it's a big dumb anti-pattern. I think no, it's usually kidding. the wrong pattern, but it's just not for us because it's. I think it's, it's actually works. super useful, but I, I think it's just there's too much. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot of code, man. There is no magical part to it. But I was going to talk about some aspects of it that are a little magical, not front end really, but I, I haven't been touching the front end at all. Like none, because there's that whole aspect of using the GraphQL once you have it. So I think Mm -hmm. there's probably a lot of people out there that are pretty good at GraphQL using it. Like the API already exists, and it's now your job to implement it in an app. That can be a lot of work because you can you can kind of just use it, but chances are you're using a library of some kind, like Apollo or something. And the point of that is. It has stuff that you would just suck to write by hand or you just couldn't really, like all the caching of queries. And um, one of the aspects of it is, for example, here's a, here's a query that everybody's got. It's the session user. Mm-hmm. The session yeah. user knows the name of the logged in person and knows the avatar URL that you should be displaying, right? As you're building out component tree, you can write queries that have a session user as part of the query. There might be 50 of them mm-hmm. in different components across your app. Apollo is what solves that. If, you're, if you have nothing to solve that, you're going to make 50 <laughs> URL hits against the API for the session user. Apollo is like, no, no, I see what you're trying to do. I have 50 queries trying to query for the session user. I'm going to combine them into one, mm-hmm. get the session user, put that into the cache, and then all the rest of these can, I'll, I will hand sprinkle this information out to what is needed. That's yeah. clutch, clutch. It means I, ne- as a front-ender, I never have to think about the efficiency of the API usage. I just ask for whatever the hell I want, and it will make it efficient. It will match yeah. it. it. It's just very clever in how it handles it. No, that's a good point. I guess, yeah. Is your API, because, right, like, we all write perfect code, Um one thing I think we're dealing with our API is like, oh, well, you got to be like an authenticated user to like hit the API, you know? So like, because most of our routes are protected, you know? Um, right. So like, then you're just like, oh, okay. So like, I got to like invent a user, you know? So like, I'm finding like even like testing the API or or kind of like operating on it without like a, a web session is kind of tough, you know? Because you're just like, oh, I need to like, like send yeah, this like build a, a little... A little tool for it. Yeah, because I'm just like, man, it would be a little easier if I could just, like, use PAW or whatever, but then, like, my users are all mixed up. And I know I could, like, get a JWT or a session, I think, you know. Um, but I just, like, I don't know. It's just this, like, I'd love if I could be, like, a non, you know. Like, just make, I'm a sure. non right now. So treat me as whatever default user. There's this tool that just ships with graph. QL called Graphical that gives uh-huh. you this little web interface for your own instance of GraphQL that it just sits there and is a little API tester and it's a pretty crucial part of is it's interesting is it's it's useful both for the front end people and the back end people doing it. It's been so interesting for me being a back end person, you know, my big great switch here to uh be writing the the resolvers and the logic and the database methods and stuff that make the GraphQL happen. It is it does, that stuff does not just appear. There's not just a database and then you have GraphQL APIs to the database. That is not the case. It is all That's very handwritten. Why I don't do it. That's exactly what you're. Yeah, describing. it's a ton of work. It's an absolute ton of work. And so a couple of things. One is that auth isn't just are you logged in or not. A good API has a permissions model so that every piece of the logic is not just do you have permission to be using this API, it is do, what 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 things do you have access to? Yeah, we, uh, have, a, we have a R is auth, and then we have a thing we made called the bouncer that just basically there you like, go. There you it's go. a bouncer at a bar. It's like, you get out. <laughs> like You can't be right. here. Yeah. But it gives you this opportunity to write logic in the bouncer call for specific things. And CodePen has some funky, funky, funky logic sometimes. And we're trying to make this model like really great for the future Mm -hmm. because we're just very future focused on everything right now. 
One of them is like, okay, you can collect things on CodePed, right? Yeah. You can take a pen and put it in a collection. You can take a collection and put it into a collection. And collections Ooh, are this very meta. interesting things. Right. And, and things can be private or not private on CodePen. Mm-hmm. Interesting, mm-hmm. right? So if you have, if you put a private thing in a public collection, Ooh, little brain fart, huh? Hmm, what should we do? Well, that's a product-level choice. And our product-level choice is when you share that collection with someone, the, the private items are not visible in it. They are filtered mm-hmm. out. So that query that asks for the items has auth stuff happening behind the scenes to return only the right items. Little twist, if the collection is private, private items you put in the collection are visible. So that's logic. Somebody has to write that. And somebody has to test that, too, to make sure that it stays right yeah, over time. Yeah, can't do that. Um, no, yeah, certainly not. <laughs> Sorry, that could pilot. Um, We've also been investing in, just to, just to twist this up a little bit, is the things that you can generate. So let's say you have a table of data. You do now, you know, those tables are going to stabilize over time. You have a user's table and it has all kinds of stuff on it. Email address, you know, a salted password. It's got your location, maybe your sign up date, you know, all kinds of stuff in it. You can write code. <laughs> Alex has done so now. It's very clever that will look at a database table and generate a ton of this stuff. Not everything, not the interesting logic, but the goal is anything that's uniquely unique logic to your app, you can still write. But anything that's rote, that's like, how do I query for it? How do, you know, like there's probably like eight ways that you could query for user stuff. Give me a user by the ID. Give me multiple users by this input query, you know, write a mutation that updates a user, yeah, all that stuff. You shouldn't be writing that by hand, we've learned. Mm-hmm. Write a generator that can generate all of that stuff and spit it out. And there's third-party tools to do it. We didn't do that because we only ever write our own technology because we're crazy. And, <laughs> and wrote generators for all this stuff. It's really cool now. And you can see the two files sitting right next to each other. There's always a .gen.go file and a .go file. And the .gen one means don't touch this. That was made by a computer for your benefit. And it has probably 10 times as much code in it than the handwritten files do. Mm. So if there's a git pen by ID part of our API, that was not written by hand. That was written by a computer to, to say, this is how you should respond to an API request like that. Very interesting. Wow. Like, uh, you know, it's funny. It's like I uh, watched a few videos on, like, API design, and they're like, hey, let's, hey, well, let's pretend we're interviewing for Netflix. How do we design an API, you know? And it's like, well, we got videos, you know, so we're going to have a videos table with an ID and a file URL. Okay, next, we got users. They're going to have... Uh, lists, watch lists, and watch lists have videos. I'm done. I invented Netflix again, you know? And I I love those videos, but I'm also just like, they don't get into that thing where it's like the private pen is private, has privates, or the private collection has privates, that's okay, but the public collection that has privates is not okay, and then, you know, we had an issue like, okay, you know, teams have owners, right? And owners are users. And if an, and users have accounts, right? Or, or users can delete their account. Like say, like, I'm out of here. I don't want to use this app anymore. What if they're the owner of a team? You know, like, <laughs> to like uh-oh. Oh, all that stuff you know? is in there, yeah. So now you have all this stuff in the API. Like, it's not as simple as, like, just draw the tables in a, ERD entity relationship diagram. It, you have to like. There's weird logic. logic yeah, you just our files are in a it. folder called logic. Yeah, <laughs> really. So User logic dot go, wow. and if you need to look at and and they're isolated there by way of of strong convention. So the way the API works is there's a folder full of dot GraphQL files that explain the schema. They're literally mm-hmm. in the GraphQL format. It says this is a type pen or whatever. And that's just GraphQL code that would be shared in any language. And then we have a tool that that looks at that schema and produces a resolver. A resolver is the very first thing that a piece of code that is hit when when that schema is asked for, that query or mutation. 
essentially. Mm-hmm. So the resolver's job is to just really quickly be like, am, am, have I even been implemented not or not? You know, like if I'm not implemented, just bail or whatever. Or, uh, or, or, re- or maybe, maybe w- what it's being returned is really simple. Like you have an API that just returns like the name of the company. So it just says like return... Paravel, you know, or whatever. It's just a string. So there's no logic there. It's just nothing. But if there's any logic at all, the resolver has to punt to a logic method. And so no resolvers have any logic at all. They either just return something simple or they ask the logic file for their information. Then the, the logic file says, okay, well, if it's an authenticated user, you know, you can tell them the true name of the company, which is, you know, three pigs in a trench coat, or else return Paravel or something. Right. You know. Okay. So that's logic. So that has to stay there. Or if it has to ask the database, oh, no, we keep the company name in the database. That has to make a query to do that. The logic is not allowed to do that either. It has to ask another file that is the logic method for, you know, about or whatever it is, the user. And that's different. So it's just by by strong convention, we separated all resolver code, all logic code, and all data data store code. And it's just been really nice. We, clear. We're not quite there yet, but we we have a pretty close like setup. Like I, I made these like prepare data for update and prepare data for uh, Ooh, nice. create or like. So it's basically like I do all the data primping, all the logic kind of in a function that's outside of the like setup. So all that function is doing is like, okay, save it, but with the through the prepared data. And then that like whatever. It cleans it up, prunes all the garbage. And yep. sometimes like your post data from a JS app is not what the database wants or your mm. database adapter wants. Oh, we have so, a meeting about that today at one yeah, o'clock. So we're we sent Rails to was awesome at that, by the way. Oh Rails is like <laughs> Rails is is always the standard, sort of, right? Because it, it's just like I don't know what that is. I don't care about an ID. I'm creating, so I'm just going to pop out the ID. But in my system, if you send an ID to the create function, it's like, dude, no, yeah, that <laughs> like, is a protected field, bro. That's a unique. Uh, yeah, can't do it. You know, and so it's just like, <laughs> okay, could you just ignore it, like Rails did? You know, but. Um, no, yeah. you got us. You got us. Munge it first. So if you send too many farts in, in to to the <laughs> JavaScript thing, it's like it it starts falling apart. But um, yeah, that's one thing Rails did good. It was like, no, I under, totally understand your data. Like you put it in the database file, and I already understand that. So I have a really right. really good schema about it all. I can actually output the form fields without you typing the type of form field. You just say field, and then like. <sighs> Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, um, even its updates were efficient. Like if you send me fifty fields and I only I know that only two of them have changed, it will only send those two, which makes re overwriting sensitive information so great. Yeah, cleaner. So I got to log a lot, right? So uh, there's a lot of this. Like oh, I'm writing logic and I need to know. <laughs> you know, I'm so used to and. Client side JavaScript, you know, console.log or debugger statements or whatever. In 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 the back end, one thing that I like is that you uh, you don't have to refresh the page. You know, if you're hitting an API, you just leave. You can leave the front end open and keep hitting save or whatever button it is you're hitting. And like because you've updated the back end code, the back end server has rebuilt or whatever. There's no need to command R the freaking page or let. Wow. Okay. Wow, I, I just like that about backend work, from, you know. When it's, it's decoupled, fun. right? When it's like a decoupled app or whatever. So. Yeah, right. It's just it's hitting some URL of a server that's been rebuilt anyway, so it's fine, you know. But 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 where you dig out that information is kind of up to you, you know. Like the console.log of of Go is to use a logger package probably, but or write your own, which of course we have because we never use anything. <laughs> 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 or just the, the, there's a format package in Go FMT, and you just say FMT print line, and it'll print the line or whatever. That's what everybody uses, and, and it just goes to standard output and the log. But of course, so do database queries, and so do like you know your logs while you're browsing the app are just flying by at ten thousand miles an hour. And I just uh, saw a cool trick that somebody tweeted me after I was complaining about this that I thought I'd share on the show. 
If you use iTerm, a lot of people use iTerm on Macs, and I think there's some muscle memory to it. I think a lot of people have probably switched to just using the console and VS Code because it's right there. Yeah. But a lot of, weirdly, a lot of people use iTerm too still because it just had so many advantages over the built-in console when it first came out that there's a lot of muscle memory for it. It had tabs before the native one had tabs and stuff like that, I think. I, I have it, yeah, and even after switching back from Windows, you know, and it was like one of the first things I installed because I opened up the regular terminal and I was like, that's not the right one. Like, I'm just going to put the, but I do use VS Code mostly, so. Yeah, me too, you know, especially for, for tests and stuff. But anyway, we have a, everything is complicated or whatever, but I don't know. You can run ours in any any terminal or dev environment, but I just happen to use iTerm and I know Alex does too. And it's just when you pair program, it's kind of nice when you're using the same crap so that you can... Mm-hmm talk a little fast, it's a little more comfortable. Anyway, it has this feature that I would never dream on finding. Like, finding it was <laughs> difficult to begin with in preferences. You open preferences, you go under profiles, go under your profile, go under the advanced tab, which is nine tabs over, then in that there's five things. One of them is called triggers. Very interesting. Open up triggers and you can make triggers. What they do is they just watch standard out on your logs and you can put in a regular expression of something to watch for. Now our logger package, we prefix all the logs with like, I'm about to log something. It says info and in square brackets. So I write a regular expression for that piece of output. And then it has an action and the actions is where things get interesting. You can make your computer beep. You can highlight it specially with special highlighting. You can, there's Whoa. literally like 25 things you can do when the regular expression matches. Which is so rad, I think, you know? Yeah. You can run an Apple script, you know, whatever. But the one I did was just capture output. And capture output is really simple. It just says, it, it, you open this little drawer. They mm-hmm. call it a tool belt, I think, mm-hmm. in iTerm. They show tool belt and then show your captured output in the tool belt. And then any time it matches that regex, it just shows a little entry in the tool belt. So if you're... You know, console.logging essentially, which would work too if, if you're in a Node app, you know, mm-hmm. but um, in Go or in, in Ruby, it'd be puts or use awesome yeah. print or something. It goes to standard out and you can just watch, watch for any hand logged things. Some kind click of like emoji or something and just be like, yeah, so exactly. now it all just shows up. Wow. Isn't that nice? Because I'm having that log problem too. I mean, I've scoped it to like a certain server, but yeah. Like uh, my database is logging every like time it tries to connect to itself, like it's stay alive right. function. So it's mm-hmm. four logs every sec, every four seconds or something like that. And <laughs> I'm just like, can I turn this off? And the answer is no right now. But um, the uh, like uh, it, it was just like so my logs are just garbage now. But it would be cool if I had like. Hey, that found an actual problem, you know, and then I go to Sentry. I have Sentry hooked up. Sentry's great. Right. Uh, but it, Sentry 2 is sort of like uh, line 92 of error JS uh, in file XRB 93 hash 5 9000. Right. Problem, guy, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> right. of course, <laughs> error just having trouble today, you know, and so. We just can't even with JavaScript reporting in Sentry because it's just there's just too much of it. It's just a fire hose. I think that's one of the biggest problems with JavaScript. Like we have the art, we cannot stack trace. You stack trace in Ruby again, Rails talking about Rails. Uh, you're like to the correct action controller, the correct problem, you know, exact line of code that had a problem. I feel like JavaScript stack traces is just in general, and you see this in the console too. It's like error on line fifty five nine thousand of Webpack, you know, internal, you know, and you're just like, I don't know where to. St- I can't fix that. That it's just not helpful, you know. So anyway, that's my beef with JavaScript. So I feel like stack traces suck, a lot. and I'm gonna yeah. blame Webpack, but I'm trying to be nice. And you can see those errors on the front end too. I don't know. I just find whatever backend error reporting in any of these tools like Sentry is way more useful. Right. Yeah. So, 
Well, cool. Hey, we should probably wrap it up. That was a good, good old dime in the back end, Chris. That was, uh, That's right. Interesting. So uh, I'm hoping one day to move out of uh, servers. That's my goal. So I'm going to buy my way out of that situation. So <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Your church music star, her favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for eight six tweets a month you know how it goes um <laughs> it keeps going down doesn't it um and uh yeah join us in the d- 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 discord that's where we're at mostly uh patreon.com slash shop talk show chris you got anything else you'd like to say console.logshop.show.com error on line nine <laughs>